TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. The scoop. It's The Scoop with Doogie. That unfulfilling, uneventful, frankly, incredibly boring Super Bowl did not put me in hibernation. So I am here. It is Monday evening, the 4th of February, and it is Scoop Podcast episode 200. A milestone number, but nothing special or out of the ordinary about this podcast compared to others. The goal is to always bring you the most up-to-date information, information you don't necessarily read in the paper or on Twitter or anywhere else. Or if you have, hopefully I can provide a bit more clarity, a bit more background. But the top goal remains that hopefully this is fresh information to you. My background, I'm Darren Doogie Wolfson. The A-Job is the Channel 5 KSTP sports office. So I do television news, television sports, but I have a passion for radio that goes back to the mid-90s, have worked on multiple stations here in town, help out Score North, which is the 1500 AM frequency here in the Twin Cities, scorenorth.com. That's a playoff of Skoll with the Vikings, the Skoll chant, and what have you. Score, S-K-O-R North, Score North. And Score North is the new marketing slogan attached to the 1500 frequency. So you can hear me on 1500 AM and you can watch me on Channel 5. Or if you don't live in the Channel 5 viewing area, which extends far north, far south, west and east. But if you are far, far away, many of my stories land on the sports page on KSTP.com. As do our 10 o'clock newscasts. ESPN NBA analyst Bobby Marks, former assistant general manager of the Brooklyn Nets will join in just a bit. Plus, I have notes on the Twins and other local teams. But let me start with notes on the Wolves. That will be a good segue into Bobby with the trade deadline coming up on Thursday afternoon. The Bucks are a new team with interest in Anthony Tolliver, pending free agent. The Wolves are 11th place in the West. Now the rhetoric coming from practice on Monday was, hey, Five games to go before the All-Star break. We can win all five. Let's continue this playoff push. But realistically speaking, the Wolves' chances of making the playoffs are incredibly small. So will they look to ship off some of their pending free agents for any sort of asset, even if it's a second-round pick, whatever it might be? That remains to be seen. They are meeting daily. They are talking to teams daily. Nothing is imminent as of Monday night, but hey, there's a long way to go until Thursday afternoon. I do know that the Bucks have shown interest in Tolliver in addition to the teams I've mentioned for a few weeks like Philadelphia, the Lakers, the Rockets, and the Pistons. Plus, I do know that the Clippers and Mavericks like Anthony, but neither team has trade interest in Anthony right now. Derrick Rose has no trade power, a reminder. Now, heck, he's dealing with the ankle injury again. He won't play Tuesday in Memphis, but I can just tell you the Wolves have not gone to his side to say, hey, would Derek waive his no-trade clause? Hey, we're close on something. That has not happened. If I had to bet, I see Derek Rose here come Friday. But guys like Taj Gibson and others are worth watching on Taj. I'm told there is definitely a market for him. I know the Nets like him, the Thunder like him. I hear the Spurs like him. Now, the Wolves also like him. The Wolves like him a lot. They value his leadership greatly. 
So they may want him here for the rest of the year. He's another voice as Ryan Saunders looks to navigate that locker room and hopefully land, in his mind, the job full-time. So I don't know if they end up moving Taj, but I can tell you there is some interest. I'm told not a ton, but enough interest. If the Wolves want to move Taj Gibson, and you can certainly make a case that it would make logical sense for them to move him since they're likely not making the playoffs – they could move him. I don't expect the return to be great, but if they want to move Taj, they could absolutely do that. Now, I saw a report on the Sporting News website, Sean Devaney, who's covered the league for a long time, suggesting that Dario Saric could even hit the trade block this week or in the offseason. I'm told that is inaccurate, that that is a false report, that Dario still is viewed as the Wolves' starting power forward in the future, that eventually when Taj either isn't here or Taj maybe resigns, but in a backup role, that Dario is this team starting for, that they still think very highly of Dario, even though his minutes have dwindled a bit under Ryan. Now, not to suggest that he's untouchable. If a team wants to blow them out of the water with an offer for Saric, sure, it's not like he's Carl Anthony Towns, but I'm just suggesting that what you read, if you read it on HoopsRumors.com or Hoops Hype or on the Sporting News website about Dario potentially being out there this week on the trade block, that is wrong. By the way, on Taj, I hear that he really likes Ryan. There's been some people suggesting, okay, Tom Thibodeau is gone, that is Taj's guy, that he might be better. I'm told he actually really likes Ryan Saunders. He also is a fan of Fred Hoiberg's. And as long as Fred is still out there, that chatter will still exist, that Fred will land with the Wolves in some capacity. So, yeah, he could look to sign with a contender come July, that Taj is getting up there in age, that he wants to win a ring, but I just know that he really does, there's a genuineness about him, that he really does enjoy it here in Minnesota, even though Tibbs is no longer here. The Wolves were never in on Rodney Hood, who went from the Cavs to the Blazers. Rodney had to waive a no-trade clause, or he had no-trade power. That's the better way to say it. He had no-trade power, not necessarily a no-trade clause, but he had the power based on the deal that he signed with the Cavs, re-signed with the Cavs. So he had to waive that to accept the trade to Portland. The Wolves never inquired on Rodney Hood. There's a bunch of teams interested in Wes Matthews. If the Knicks ultimately buy him out, the Wolves so far have not shown any interest, though. They are not one of the many teams interested in Wes Matthews. They, as of Saturday, had not inquired about Thon Maker. Now, they've talked to the Bucs. I'm telling you, they've talked to the Bucs because the Bucs have interest in Anthony Tolliver. Among a few trade targets, the Bucs are looking for some help as they look to win the Eastern Conference. Really good team in the East. Really good organization. Milt Newton is the Bucks' assistant general manager. Glenn Taylor still thinks pretty highly of Milt. He might want to take a look at Milt to come back here and run the show come this summer if we all believe that Scott Layden is dead man walking because that Bucks organization is a really legit organization that Milt Newton has learned a ton. But anyway, there is no steam on the Wolves having interest in Thon Maker And he's only 21. There's still a bright future, I think, there for Maker. I think it would make some sense for the Wolves to have interest in Maker. But as of Saturday, now things change on a daily basis as we get closer to the deadline. But as of Saturday, I was trying to check earlier today, Monday, with no return text message. So it's possible. But as of Saturday, the Wolves had not registered any interest in Thon Maker. On the injury front, all four injured guys are able to do some things. Now, Jeff Teague is actually listed as doubtful for Tuesday's game. So he might be making some progress. I appreciate 
previously reported that Rose would be the first to come back, which he did on Saturday, the loss to Denver, that Tyus Jones would be next. Tyus is ramping up. He's getting closer. But it is possible that Teague might be next before Tyus. And Robert Covington, there still isn't a definitive timetable. I was over there on Friday. I saw him actually getting a little bit of lift finally on his jump shot, but there's still some discomfort there with the bone bruise. I just don't see him before the All-Star break. I guess we'll wait and see where things stand after the All-Star break. But these five games heading into the All-Star break, I would be surprised, very surprised, if we see Robert Covington back. All right, a couple other Wolves notes before we segue to Bobby Marks. The Wolves have the rights to European big man star from Valencia, or at least he plays for Valencia. He's actually from Montenegro. Bojan Dublovic. Bojan Dublovic. Well, I'm told Bojan is locked in with Valencia at least through next year. Now, Tibbs had some interest in bringing over Dublovic a couple summers ago, but there won't be any activity with Bojan coming to Minnesota anytime soon. They acquired his rights going back a few years. Bojan Dublovic, one of the better big men in Europe. It was nice to see Kevin Garnett at the facility late last week. He interviewed Ryan Saunders, Carl Anthony Towns. And Andrew Wiggins, it was for a TNT segment. So before you jump to any sort of conclusion that KG is back, he's back aligned with the Wolves. He was at the game earlier this year. Now he's at the practice facility. No, the answer is no. There's still many fences that need to be mended on that front. But KG does think the world of Ryan Saunders. I was standing right there. KG gave Ryan an enormous bear hug. He talked about the play that Ryan ran, that play in Oklahoma City, that Flip loved to run for KG, 452 twist. It was 552 twist because Carl Anthony Towns plays the five. KG, of course, played the four with Irvin Johnson playing the five. But, yeah, KG had a blast at the facility the other day catching up with Ryan. I'm telling you, Ryan thinks the world of KG. KG thinks the world of Ryan. All right, let's segue to Bobby Marks. All right, Bobby, let's start with the obvious talker this week, the trade deadline Thursday afternoon. What is it, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern? How how active do you think the trade deadline will be? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, what New Orleans decides to do with Anthony Davis. Um, you know, on Monday there was a a wish list of four teams, including the Lakers, both Los Angeles teams, uh, New York and Milwaukee, that he would prefer to be traded to, and he would sign um, as a free agent in 2020. You know, really out of that list, only I would say maybe one or two teams has the right package of players to make a deal. Uh, I don't really take uh, Milwaukee and New York very serious just because of, of, of what they have. Um, and I think it's, it's going to depend on w- what the patience level of the general manager of the Pelicans, Dell Demps, has right now, or and does he? Can he wait until the off season to do a Davis deal? And um, my inclination is that you know he will not be moved past the deadline um, unless there's a an overwhelming uh, deal here. But I think it starts with uh, it starts with the Pelicans. What happens there? And then it probably there's a trickle down effect with Memphis with uh, Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley. Um, certainly, there's a lot of players on their roster. Um, available but we we've seen 10 trades so far this season uh last year there were 18 so we're you know we're a little bit behind the eight ball heading into the uh, heading into the deadline all right so to clarify you think anthony davis will still be on new orleans past thursday i do i've been on that you know from from the get-go here i just i i understand he there are a list of teams that he would resign with uh i still believe boston has the right um package of players and young, um, you know, and picks, draft assets, potentially three to four first round picks. 
that New Orleans will wait on them until the summer. I know Kyrie, the Kyrie Irving factor is a um, is a big obstacle there as far as if he comes back or not. But what the Lakers have to offer now with Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, draft picks is basically what they'll have this summer. The only difference is that you are going to have to use some of your cap space instead of um, you know Rajon Rondo, uh, Michael Beasley, um, yeah, players like that. Um, to send back in a deal. So, yeah, I mean, unless it gets to the point where um, New Orleans just feels like, hey, we want to cut bait right now, we'll take the best available um, by Thursday at 3. Um, but I'm still in the belief that Davis will be on a uh, on the Pelicans roster when the, when the deadline passes on, on Thursday. Are you buying the reports of those four teams? I mean, do you really believe that if he got traded to Milwaukee, and I'm with you, not that Milwaukee has the right package to offer, although I like a lot of the players on their roster, but do you really believe that if he ended up in Milwaukee that he would resign there? I mean, I'm just I'm thinking, Bobby, that he wants to be an L.A. Laker. That That's it, that, that him, his father, others around him have convinced him Los Angeles is the place to be, and not the Clippers, but the Lakers. I just That's how I feel. I, I think you could read the tea leaves and, and figure out when, by, when he was at, when he asked to be traded last Monday to where we are right now to what happened on Friday night with his with Anthony Davis' his father coming out saying that he didn't want anything to do with Boston, where this is all lining up to be, and and also the list that came out today. The, the list that came out today is not a re, is not realistic. It, it, it really isn't. I mean, you, when you have New York on there where, you know, if you're in New Orleans, they're not doing anything with the Knicks until after the lottery if, it, if it's the top pick in the draft. When you have Milwaukee on there where New Orleans is not going to take back Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton, although very good players, mm-hmm. but those guys are on expiring contracts. What, what does that do for, for, for the Pelicans? They don't have, uh, the Bucks don't have draft picks to trade. The same goes for the Clippers. The Clipper, Clippers have been, been made it well-known that their target this summer is Kevin Durant and, and Kawhi Leonard. Would that change with Anthony? Maybe, but they have seven players on expiring contracts. Really, the, the, their, their big asset is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And the likelihood is that I'm not sure that, that Los Angeles will move him. So that kind of comes us right back to, to the Lakers. And we saw the offer, what, uh, what, it, what happened on Friday night when it wasn't um, an enticing offer. Now, all of a sudden, that's been increased. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's, a, um, you know, it's, a, it's a little bit of a ploy to have the Lakers kind of up their, up their offer here and, and try to get Davis to, to, um, to Los Angeles by Thursday. On the increased offer, was it the LA Times? It doesn't matter who had it first, but what is it? Is it Ingram, Kuzma, it's Ball, it's what, at least one future first-round pick, if not two future first-round picks, Beasley, Stevenson, Rondo, whatever it might be as cap filler for, is it Davis and Solomon Hill? Are you buying that report? And, heck, can I, New Orleans do better than that? I mean, that's not – that doesn't sound too bad. No, it isn't. And I think the interesting thing is the Solomon Hill part to it. Now, you take mm-hmm. Hill back, and, and basically your roster um, – with with uh, going into the summer is basically Anthony uh, Anthony Davis LeBron, and now you're really left with about fourteen million dollars in room. So it's not like you're going to go out and get a third guy unless they're going to be able to move a, all these all these other young uh, contracts, including that Hill. So is that what your content is? is, is and, and that's the, that's the hard part when you're making trades and not signing players as free agents is that. To get a player like that who's not on expiring, who's got another year left going into 2019-20, it takes you gutting your roster. I mean, we saw it in New York in, in 2011 with Carmel Anthony when 
you moved Wilson Chandler and Raymond Felton, Danilo Gallinari, players like that who were playing on a very good team at the time for Anthony, and then you were really um, you were limited as far as how you build that out. And I think it all depends on if the Lakers are willing to do that. Um, if they're not, then they might have to wait for Davis until 2020. If Davis is still on New Orleans on Friday, how do you see it playing out? I mean, do you think New Orleans will play him? And the local angle, the Minnesota angle is – Carl Anthony Towns, if he's all NBA again, he goes from one hundred and fifty eight million to a one hundred and ninety million. Now to me, Joel Embiid is is what, first team or second team? Jokic is first team or second team. So couldn't you couldn't you argue that Davis and Towns are fighting for one spot and for Carl Anthony Towns, not that one hundred and fifty eight million is chump change, but hey, if you can make hundred and ninety million dollars, I think you'll certainly take it. You know what? I didn't even think of that fa- that angle. <laughs> I really didn't. And yeah, it's it's interesting as far as what the what the Pelicans will do if if um, if Davis is not moved by Thursday. Is is that here you have a prized trade asset that you will have to move by the you know by mid July. You know there I don't he he can't be on that roster. Um, you know until you know you know past you know july 14th 15th because you need to have some clarity as far as how you're building this this out here is do you sit him for the rest of the season and not take the chance of him getting injured or do you play him here and i think if it was me in that front office i i would sit him i mean we know this pelicans team is heading towards the lottery um and i i can't i would not want to risk anything happen to um you know happening to davis Bobby, on the on the town's angle, do you like the rule that's in place where if you make consecutive all NBA teams that you can go from one hundred and fifty eight million to one hundred and ninety million, or is the voting such an inexact science that, that that's unfair? Well, I think it's a little bit different for rookie extensions compared to players like um John Wall, um James Harden, Russell Westbrook, play or Kawhi Leonard who was eligible um the you know the there's a difference in the in the, in the rookie designated extension where the team and the player have the right to negotiate the language of all NBA there and what the percentage is. So, you know, if it was uh, you know in Devin Booker's contract, it's um, you know I think 30 percent if it's all NBA first team, and then it drops 28 percent, and then 27 percent. So oh, okay. that's up to the team. That's up to the team and the player to go out and negotiate that language there. Where if you are um, you know, Kawhi Leonard last year um, in San Antonio, you know, he was eligible for the Supermax because he had already met the criteria. There's no, there's no negotiating there. So I think it's a little bit different where in, in, in Carl's case, they, you know, both sides negotiated the, the, the language, which would be the same as um, a player like John Wall, uh, except for a little bit of lower percentage. So, um, so it's a little bit different in that regards. On the Wolves, I mean, heck, Towns isn't going anywhere this week, but they could potentially be active. I mean, I'm sure they'd love to move Gorgie Jang if they could find a taker. I'm sure they'd love to move Jeff Teague if they could find a taker. But then they have all sorts of expiring contracts, whether it's Jared Bayless, Anthony Tolliver, Taj Gibson, Derrick Rose. Now, Derrick Rose has has no trade power, but are you hearing much on the Wolves? Do you think they might be active this week? You know, not much. It's you know, it's it's interesting. There are what three three out of uh, out of the playoffs. I think they are um, what two in the loss column behind uh, Clipper, the Clippers as we're as we're taping this year. And you've got an interim coach here who is fighting like heck to keep to try to be there for the long haul here. So, I think if if there's anything, it will be more guys that are maybe bought out of their contract closer to March one, maybe an Anthony Tolliver type player. I think if 
Um, I think a lot of it will depend on what the standings are. I think that Gorgie contract is, is a little bit hard to move, but, hey, New York was able to um, move that, that Tim Hardaway Jr., but it did cost you Kristaps Porzingis. But, yeah, it's, it is pretty quiet on the, um, you know, on the Wolves' front. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of the focus has, has been on, uh, as I said, Memphis, certainly um, New Orleans, uh, the Lakers there. Uh, and yeah, I think you also have to consider that teams are very reluctant to take back money that goes into the summer of 2019. Yeah, I mean, what are we looking at right now? Is it about half the league will have, like, really good cap space this summer? It's a little bit less. I mean, we had 12 uh, before that uh, Porzingis trade. Now now it's about to, to 11. Dallas can possibly get in there. There are certainly some wild card teams like uh, possibly Milwaukee, um, Utah, maybe even New Orleans can join can join that list. I think we'll see a full reset in the summer of um, 2020 when the when the cap jumps to, to 118 and a lot of those players that signed contracts in, in the summer of 2016 um, are now will be expired. Do you like both sides of that Porzingis trade or do you favor maybe the Dallas side? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I think we forget how good of a player Christoph Porzingis is. Mm-hmm. And when you're out for a year, we, 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 it's almost like what Kawhi in, in, in San Antonio is that you, you forget that Kristaps is a top 15, top 20 player. The same, you know, with Kawhi, he's a top five player. I, I look at it this way. Um, if you are New York, you are trading Kristaps Porzingis for Dennis Smith Jr. and two future first-round picks right now. We don't know what's going to happen with that $70 million in cap space. They could potentially miss out on two players and maybe get one player, and they'll have to wait until the summer of 2020 or, or go the rebuild route and take back um, contracts and draft picks that way. Um, I like it for Dallas because uh, the Mavericks have not been a big player in free agency. They had the potentially $45 to $50 million in room. If, if Porzingis is healthy, now you pair him with Luka Doncic, and you've got you know, potentially two franchise players for a long, long time here, and then you have some flexibility down the road. Um, but, but I understood it certainly on the Knicks angle because that marriage had dissolved to the point of no return here. And I think if anything we can criticize is that how did they get to that point? How did they, how was, how did they get to a point of both sides breaking down in, in, in the trust level here? Um, so... And if you didn't move Porzingis by Thursday by the deadline, then you're basically forced to paying him probably a max contract this summer or the threatening of, of him signing a qualifying offer. So I understood it for both sides here. I think for New York's angle, I think we're kind of in a, in a wait and see as far as what they can do this summer. On Dallas, I mean, I think it's just it's another team in the West. I mean, the uber-deep West that is going to rise up. Like, I'm thinking about Wolves fans, Minnesota Timberwolves fans, Bobby. I mean... Is it almost hopeless? I mean, you have Carl Anthony Towns, this this superstar in many ways, even though he's got some flaws. But but I think a lot of people would say, okay, let's start with Carl Anthony Towns, go from there. But when thinking about the Wolves the next handful of years, where is the hope? And heck, if you're a Wolves fan, are you just thinking doom and gloom that in a few years Carl Anthony Towns does what Anthony Davis is doing right now? Well, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the standings right now, the teams that are above um – above the Timberwolves going into next year, it's like, where's the drop-off going to be? You know, certainly um, with the, the Lakers, I'm sure will, you know, if LeBron stays healthy, they'll be better than they were. Uh, Sacramento, the Clippers, Utah, Houston, teams like that, Portland, OKC. I mean, Golden State's probably not going anywhere, you know, unless there's really an overhaul. And Denver's going to be good for a long time. So, 
But I think a lot of it comes back to, and I know we're, we're beating a uh, you know a dead horse here, is, is what you can get from it. What, what can Andrew Wiggins do for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, and it's it's a little bit maddening because of how up. And I, I hope he succeeds. I really do. But it's maddening that there are games where he looks like an all star, and there are some games where you don't even recognize him on the court. And when you sign two players to max contracts. The expectation is is that they are your cornerstone, and if if one of them does not live up to that ex- expectation, I just think it sets you back so so much because of how much money is tied into one player. Um, so that that you know if you had a if this was you know Carl Anthony Towns and Bradley Beal or Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Devin Booker, then I could say yeah hey you know now we've got some building pieces, but. I don't know if I can trust Andrew right now as far as where you know where he is at in year five of his career. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're five years into this thing now. He's not even close to being 25 years old. So the final chapter, Bobby, hasn't been written, but he's played so many minutes. Like, is this who he is in, in many ways? I'm just thinking, I mean, five years in. I mean, even for a guy like, because the comparison's been made, okay, can Andrew Wiggins at least be DeMar DeRozan? I mean, DeRozan, at least by year four or five, was better than this. I just, I wonder, and I've been a Wiggins apologist in many ways. I mean, heck, I might be, I might be in the minority. In fact, I'm positive here in the Twin Cities media, Bobby. I am in the minority. I defend Andrew more than most, but I'm just curious. At some point, you've probably hit your ceiling, and has he already hit his ceiling as we're as we're approaching the end of year five? I, I think the salary, what he earns, um, it certainly. Uh, puts a certain expectation level on him. If Andrew Wiggins was making ten to twelve million dollars, we would say, you know what, he's a good, he's a nice, you know, nice piece. You know, what else is out there? And I think when, you know, fair or unfair, as the sound is, is that when you're making twenty five, twenty six million dollars and you're under contract for the next four years after this, we want more. We don't want, you know, uh, some nights when you've got fourteen points on four of seventeen from the floor. We we don't you know we you know we we want that consistent performer every night. Are you going to be able to do what you did against Oklahoma City? You know, a couple weeks and you know have you know forty points here. No, but we I think there's just a consistency part that is just that is just maddening because we all know what he potentially could do, but I don't know if we're going to get that you know out of him every night. Are you hearing much chatter on what Glenn Taylor is thinking in regards to Scott Layden's future? And then you referenced Ryan Saunders who's the interim coach, who certainly wants the job on a full-time basis. Are you hearing much chatter on the coaching front? It's quiet right now, and I think the intent was to let um, let Ryan coach this group to, to the end of the season. Uh, you know, let's see what happens at the trade deadline with, with, uh, with Scott, and then kind of take a deep breath and then take a full evaluation as far as, you know, what this, uh, what this management or what this, this coaching structure could be going into – um, into, into next year. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with how this team plays, how these guys continue to develop some of the younger players here. Um, does it get up to a point when in mid-March when we see a lot of teams when you're out of the playoffs kind of let go of that rope a little bit um, and go on, you know, and, and pick up some bad habits? I'm sure that's probably what ownership will, will watch. But, yeah, I, I think we're, we're a little bit quiet on here, but I think a lot of it will be dependent on how what the performance on the court is um, as far as what they do um, from a coaching standpoint in, in that front office. I'll let you go after a few more. Do you like Utah as a fit for Mike Conley Jr. if Memphis ultimately decides to move him? I, I do because I know there was a, uh, a sample of Donovan Mitchell, a point guard, when Ricky Rubio and, and um, Dante Axum were out 
um, and they played real well. And I thought uh, I thought Mitchell played at a high level. I'm concerned about you know his usage rate if that's the direction they want to go, based on um, Rubio um, on an expiring contract. And Exum's been you know he's been injured a lot, so I don't know how much you can you can rely on him. Um, I think they have the right pieces to get a deal done. It's a it's a big contract to take in. But they've never been a big player in free agency. And to have a potential all-star in Conley under contract for this year plus two more years and have Mitchell there with you, um, I think that's, a, that's something you can be aggressive with. Factoring in that when Conley's up, Mitchell will be a free agent, so a restricted free agent. So it's not like you're going to have a lot of money tied in. So I think there's a deal there. There, I think it's a matter of does Utah want to include Dante Exum. I think if, if, if Utah put a package together of Exum, uh, Rubio, um, a first-round pick, and some fillers. I think that's a, that's something that's appealing for 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 the Grizzlies because it does give them some cap release. Is there an obvious fit for Marcus Gasol? It's the Gasol market is quiet. I mean, you're looking at teams like Charlotte. You're looking at Detroit. Um, there's some uncertainty about if he'll opt out of that contract. So there's not many teams willing to give up for for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think if, if, if Mark is there on, uh, on the roster past Thursday, I would, it would not surprise me, but you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's not a center driven league, you know, these days. And although Mark, you know, was an all-star at one time, um, I think there's some current concern regarding, you know, that, that opt out. And as far as how much do teams have to give up? Who is the best team in the East? I think Milwaukee is. And I've been on Toronto mm. for a long time. I really have. I thought they, from the get-go, were built to, you know. But, man, that Milwaukee team, when you have, uh, with Giannis playing at an MVP-type level, uh, Bledsoe playing at a, I think you could have made an argument from Bledsoe at the uh, all-star level, and Chris Middleton, and then what you're able to go. I mean, we used to talk about that Milwaukee team not having a deep bench. And then you've got, um, you know, with George Hill and, and Ilya Sova, and they've got stuff, you guys, you've gotten some production from DJ Wilson, DiVincenzo, um, you know, players like that. I, I think Milwaukee is, and then you've got, you know, with, um, you know, with Brooke Lopez playing at that level. Is it, can it sustainable when you get into the playoffs? I, I don't know, but for a regular season, I mean, that team is, they fly in all cylinders here. And um, I do have a little bit of concern with Toronto. You know, when we get into some of these, you know, late games, you know, crunch time minutes, because the more you watch them, and I, I was talking to some people here at ESPN, it's like, I don't remember Kawhi Leonard being a closer in San Antonio. And there's times in Toronto where they are asking him to be the, 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 the James Harden, the closer, the Kyrie Irving. And it hasn't been met, it hasn't been, not been met with a good success rate. And I, I just have a feeling that that team gets a little bit tense when the game gets closer and then all of a sudden we see ISO ball again. So um, I do like Toronto, but I think Milwaukee is, is, is the best team in the East. On Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez making threes might be one of the craziest, <laughs> most under-talked-about storylines of the season. Well, it makes me feel bad because we never had him shoot threes in New Jersey and Brooklyn. Now yeah. all of a sudden he is. And, you know, it's funny. I, it, it's, you know, when he was injured, uh, when he broke his foot in uh, 2013-14 and when he was coming back from his, um, you know, he couldn't do much mobility, but he would take a lot of just standstill three-pointers. And he really didn't start, you know, taking them until maybe two years, um, two years down the road. But I think that's kind of where, when, it started, um, when it started to have him expand his game a little bit. 
All right, I'll leave you with this. The answer might be obvious. It might be the Lakers, but whether it's the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, do you see a team right now in ninth, 10th, 11th place, whether it's Detroit, Washington in the West, I guess it would be Sacramento, the Lakers, the Wolves are not making the playoffs. I mean, the Wolves are as close to 13th as they are to 8th. In fact, they're closer to 13th than they are to 8th, but I guess you can include Minnesota in this mix, but maybe the answer is obvious that, that it's the Lakers. But do you see a team right now that's not currently in the top eight in either conference that you really feel like will be in the top eight at the end of the regular season? Well, I mean, in the East, it's hard to trust Washington, um, you know, Detroit, and Orlando because they're. I don't. It's hard for me to believe one of those teams are going to go on a four or five game winning streak, and 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 so I I think I have a somewhat of a comfort level for the for the top eight in in the East. I think yeah. I mean, I think in the West, it's certainly late, the Lakers based on LeBron returning. Um, but who's who's the team that's going to fall out now? You know, is it is it the Clippers? Um, is it the Spur? Uh, is it the Spurs? One of those teams here. So, I think if um, I think it's a race for you know eight spots out of nine teams. I like what Sacramento's been doing, but I don't know if I don't know if I can consider them. You know, when we get when we get closer down to down the stretch. I mean, I suppose it would be the Clippers, right? The Spurs aren't dropping off. I don't think so. I guess it would be the Clippers, right? So the Lakers replace the Clippers, and there you have the eight Western Conference playoff teams. I think so. I mean, besides that win in Detroit um, the other night where they had to come back from, what, 24, 25 points, they've been really up and down. Um, you know, they've struggled uh, of late. So they're going to need to win, what, 46 games, probably 45, 46 games in the, uh, in, the, um, in the Western Conference. But the one thing regarding the Lakers, their schedule is brutal coming up. I mean, they've got a, a, a stretch of really tough games. We'll see how they manage LeBron's minutes. Can he play on back-to-backs? You know, what's the recovery rate after him playing 35 to 36 minutes? So I don't know if I'm ready to count them in, but, uh, you know, with the LeBron factor, I think we probably should take them serious as far as for that last playoff spot. And, you know, what? there's one follow-up, and then I'll let you go, Bobby. I mean, from your experience all your years working in front offices, I mean, okay, so Ball and all these guys, Ingram, you know, go up and down the list. Kuzma, okay, they know that they're on the table being offered to New Orleans. I mean, is there any fallout if the trade doesn't happen now that those guys, I'm not going to suggest they're going to curl up in the fetal position, but, you know, do you need to massage those egos? I mean, how do you handle that if you're the Lakers, if those guys are still on the team come Friday? I, I think there will be a time where if it's Friday that you, if you're the front office, you're going to need to meet with these guys individually and basically um, kind of spin it where they, were, they are, this is, this is who New Orleans was asking for. Um, and you know that you know sometimes if you, when your name is out there in trade talks, that it's good to be wanted here because the the, the hard part is that we're going to hear if there's no Davis deal on Thursday, we're going to hear these names for the rest of rest of the season going into the summer because it's the right it's the same amount of players that are available. So um, I think you do need some massaging um, if uh, if there is no trade with these players. I don't think you can get let it go by. And just make it, you know, like you wash your hands of it. Bobby, always appreciate your time. Hopefully we see a bunch of action come, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday afternoon. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Bobby. Always love catching up with ESPN's Bobby Marks. He spent over 20 years in the Nets front office. All right, let's transition to the Twins. Well, quickly on the Wolves. I just I will be surprised as I'm sitting here at 6.50 on Monday night, the 4th of February. I will be surprised if the Wolves do anything major. Maybe they end up moving Tolliver because there's enough interest. Heck, if you're thinking about, well, heck, he'd like to be elsewhere. But, you know, as Bobby said, if 
if buyout possibilities exist, why not get something for these guys? The Wolves are just not making the playoffs. I mean, the percent chance is like 5%. The Wolves are just not making the playoffs. So for me, I'd look to move as many of these expiring contracts as I could, even if it's just for second-round picks. To me, an asset is an asset. Look at last year's draft. A guy like Alonzo Trier doesn't even get drafted. He looks like he'll be in the NBA for a long time. Jared Terrell of the Wolves doesn't get drafted. He looks like he can be in the NBA for a long time. Heck, he should be in the NBA right now. He's still got many days to go on his two-way. He had 34 for Iowa the other day. He should be in the Wolves lineup Tuesday night in Memphis. Nothing against Isaiah Canaan, but he just got here with Derrick Rose out, with Ty Jones out with Jeff Teague, doubtful, likely out. Jerry Bellis can't play 44 minutes. I'd like to see Terrell play for the Wolves on Tuesday night, but that's a different topic. But I'm just saying, I mean, second round picks can be valuable. So even if you're just getting a second round pick, why not do it? But yeah, there's enough interest in these guys. I mean, if the Wolves really want to move Tolliver and Gibson and these guys, they can. But at this point, nothing is imminent. And if they do do something, I think it'll be minor. I would think Tolliver would be the guy first and foremost. But who knows? Maybe they turn a corner on Taj and other expiring contracts. But if I had to bet on one guy being elsewhere, I would probably bet on Anthony Tolliver. But again, nothing, I can't stress this enough, nothing as of Monday night is imminent. On the Twins, and it's one of the negatives about this job, that I end up chasing so many different rumors. There's a guy who does some sports radio work in Atlanta for 92.9 the game. Paul Crane on Twitter at Paul Crane7. So he's got some media background. He tweeted the other day that the Twins have an offer on the table for Craig Kimbrell at three years, 45 million. Now the Twins are not getting Craig Kimbrell for three years, 45 million, but if they've made the offer, it is noteworthy. Well, checking around, I was told, don't believe everything you read that there really isn't any validity to what Paul tweeted. Now, would the Twins happily take Kimbrell if he was willing to take that offer? Yeah, I do. I think the Twins would do it. Heck, they offered about that to Yasmani Grandal. They still have money to spend. You're not getting Craig Kimbrell to Minnesota for three forty-five, And for him to land here, he'd have to come down on the money. The Twins are not giving Craig Kimbrell five years. They're not giving him $16, 17000000 million per I keep getting that question a ton, maybe that question more than any other. Hey, what about Craig Kimbrell to the Twins? You never say never because, hey, he's still a free agent. He's still out there. The Twins have an obvious need for a closer. But I'm just telling you, it's a long shot because he would have to come down significantly, both on term and on money. The Twins would do a minor league deal at Ryan Matson, not a guaranteed one. They were not in on Jerry Blevins, who signed a minor league deal with Oakland. I mean, that's the situation that we're in. A lot of these guys need to settle for minor league deals. Jerry Blevins should not be signing a minor league contract. It just tells you how screwed up the marketplace is. I was in contact with somebody close to Bud Norris. Now, the Twins actually, they kicked the tires on Norris going back a number of weeks. I've brought up his name on this podcast. The interest right now is non-existent on Norris. I don't see Bud Norris ending up with the Twins. Or if he does, something would have to significantly change. Norris had 28 saves last year, and I know there were some hiccups with the Cardinals in their clubhouse, some stories that came out, but Bud Norris cannot land a major league contract right now. Heck, if you're Blake Parker's agent, he got the one-year, what, $3.5 million deal, $3.2 million from the Twins, whatever it is. Hey, if you're the agent for Blake Parker, if you're Blake Parker, I would buy my agent a beautiful bottle of wine, a beautiful dinner. I would treat him and his wife to a night out, whatever you need to do because – Heck, if Blake Parker doesn't get that major league deal here, he might be in the same boat as Norris, as Matson, 
as Blevins, needing a minor league contract. Francisco Liriano re-signs with the Pirates. Minor league contract on Monday. The Twins were not interested there. So it's just it's one of those weird dynamics. The Twins are looking to add another arm or two, but at this point, it's on a minor league deal. Non-roster invitee. That's the best the Twins are willing to do unless Kimbrel somehow magically falls into their lap. Monologuing for nearly 40 minutes. I can't remember everything. Did I mention that the Twins were not in on Blevins? So Blevins signed a minor league deal with the Oakland A's. The Twins had kicked the tires on Blevins a couple years ago when he was a free agent, but in this particular instance, the Twins were not interested in Blevins. On Willen Rosario, the former Rockies catcher, Former Rockies masher, hit a lot of home runs, helps to play your home games in Denver, but nonetheless, former Rockies masher, the Twins signed him to a minor league deal, had the news on Twitter the other day. It turns out it is without an invite to Major League Camp. So if you're Willen Rosario, he tore it up a bit, a little bit of a down year last year, but had some success overseas the last couple of years, has the Major League history with the Rockies. He can't even sign a minor league deal with a spring training invite. Now, there's a good chance. A Twins official told me there's a good chance he'll end up at different points in big league camp or playing some big league spring training games, but it's not an official invite. He did not get an official invite to major league spring training. The Twins, by the way, worked out Rosario, or actually were among a few teams that saw a workout with Rosario middle of last week. They saw the workout, must have liked what they saw, then extended the offer. John Manuel, the former Baseball America czar who now scouts for the Twins, was at the tryout for two pitchers, former Dodger Adam Libertor and former Red Rookie Davis. They had a showcase last Thursday at North Carolina State, so Manuel was there representing the Twins. The feedback has been good, but so far, as of Monday late afternoon, the Twins had not extended either a minor league contract offer. On Monday morning, Pat Dean, the former Twin, On Instagram announced he is back with the Twins organization. He gives them some minor league depth. Spent the last couple years in Korea. He made it all the way to the majors with the Twins. Former Twins draft pick going back many years. He made it to the majors with the Twins in 2016. On the Vikings, continue to hear that Rick Dennison is still in the mix to end up as the Vikings offensive line coach. Some local combine connections. Had these on Twitter last week, but I get it. Not everybody is on Twitter if you are, shameless plug, D Wolfson KSTP at D Wolfson KSTP, Amani Hooker, Park Center High School, Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year. He was on this podcast a few weeks ago, former Iowa Hawkeye. He officially was invited to the combine that starts later this month in Indianapolis. Also invited to the combine, former Eden Prairie High School quarterback. He was a solid linebacker for Wisconsin, Ryan Connolly. Then two former Gophers. We had the news on Blake Cashman going back a few weeks. And or at least what one and a half, two weeks, and Danelle Green, the former left tackle. So there are at least four connections to local connections to the NFL draft combine. If I'm forgetting one, please send me an email or a tweet. On the wild, briefly, because I jotted them down in my notes, Bruce Boudreaux is not in trouble, nor should he be. The wild are in seventh place in the West. They look like a playoff team. If I had to bet, they'll make the playoffs, but Nonetheless, if you're curious, if they somehow go on a slide, they lost what both games, or at least didn't win. I guess they got the one point for an overtime loss, but they did not win either game coming out of their bye week, the games with Dallas and Chicago. So if they go on a slide here, if you're curious, 
Bruce Boudreaux is not in any sort of trouble. Also, the Wild, not close to making any other trades. Now, Paul Fenton, who's scouting the beanpot right now, but Paul Fenton, the GM, certainly talks to other GMs on a regular basis. The trade deadline is a few weeks away, so a lot can change on that front. But right now, on February 4th, the Wild are not close to any other trade. They were not heavily in the mix for Nick Bukestead, former Blaine High School star, former Gopher star, Nick Bukestead, when Florida traded him to Pittsburgh the other day. On the Gophers, first time Wisconsin comes here, Gophers basketball, first time Wisconsin comes here in a couple of years. Brad Davison, Nate Reavers, I know they were to meet with the media on Monday night, so that should be fun. Wednesday night, 8 o'clock at the barn, the Gophers have another chance to earn a nice victory, maybe even call it a signature win, although at home I would think the Gophers are favored, although I guess that'll be an interesting Vegas point spread to watch. I will say this, I am now, at least from a free lunch standpoint, invested in how the Gophers do the rest of the way. I can be biased anyway. That's my university. That's my alma mater. I can root for the Gophers to do well. But anyway, I made a couple Twitter bets over the weekend, a couple people after the Purdue loss. There's nothing wrong with losing to Purdue. There is something wrong when you're up by, what, 13 or 14 with 13 and a half minutes to go. Find a way to win that would have been as good a victory as Richard Pitino has had in his six years with the Gophers. Heck, right next to the win at Purdue in 2017. In fact, actually, I would still put that one number one. If the Gophers had found a way to win on Sunday, I would still put the 2017 win one. I might put, though, even the win against Maryland here because it was here just because it's on the road. I think I might put the win at Purdue if they had won on Sunday. Number two on my list of best Richard Pitino wins as Gophers coach. But anyway, some people were off the bandwagon on Twitter on Sunday afternoon saying the Gophers are not making the NCAA tournament. I still think they can make it. I still think that they, even with the schedule, it's a grind. The schedule is not easy. I think there is a path to 10 Big Ten victories. If they get to 10, I think they get in come Selection Sunday in March. On the women's side, Lindsay Whaling, Gophers coach, was at Hopkins High School on Friday night to watch Paige Beckers yet again. She eclipsed the 2000 career point mark. She put on a show, the Hopkins Jr. She is one of the best players in the country in the class of 2020. She can name what university she plays for. Lindsay Whalen is trying her hardest. It is an uphill battle with Notre Dame, with UConn, but credit to Lindsay for trying on Beckers. Whalen has offered four Hopkins players, Paige Beckers, then you have Maya Naji, who's a freshman, Amaya Battle, who's a freshman, and Taylor Woodson, who is an eighth grader. Yes, Lindsey Whalen has extended an offer to an eighth grader. It starts early in girls' basketball. Jalen Suggs on the boys' side, Minnehaha Academy star junior. He takes his official visit to Gonzaga this upcoming weekend. Florida and Georgetown are expected next. The University of Minnesota Board of Regents will look at the Gophers athletic budget this week. It looks like in 2018 they reached $125 million in revenue from some of the documents that are on the U of M website that are public information. It looks like they reached $125 million in revenue in 2018, expenses at $115 million. So they did operate on the positive in that regard. Media rights jumped up big time. Ticket sales just a tiny bit. It looks like they generated $41 million in revenue when it comes to media rights in 2018. The Board of Regents will also approve Kirk Shiraka's contract extension, which he signed shortly after he turned down West Virginia, going back to like January 9th, January 10th. He signed a contract extension. No raise, but he does get extended at $720,000 a year. That puts him top five, number five, but still top five in the Big Ten 
when it comes to coordinator money. And to remember, Sharaka came close to leaving for West Virginia, but he thinks the world of P.J. Fleck. I heard that Kirk Sharaka had a chance to go to Auburn coming off the 13-win Western Michigan season. He told Auburn no. He wanted to follow P.J. to Minnesota. Sharaka and P.J., are very, very close. I will also say this much, and I'm not shocked that Chiraca doesn't get a raise. It goes back to something I talked about in December. In December, Mark Coyle sent a memo to many coaches saying, hey, we need to have your budgets cut. So the U is looking to save money where they can. So even on the football side, because that's your number one revenue generator, even on the football side, they're looking to cut some corners where they can. So I'm not shocked that they did not give Shiraka a raise, but the extension does take him through January 31st, 2021. Wednesday is the old big National Signing Day, it's big for some programs. I was over at Maple Grove High School the other day catching up with Evan Hall, the stud running back. He committed to Northwestern. He is signing his national letter of intent at 7 a.m. on on Wednesday morning at Maple Grove High School. Congratulations to Evan. I will play back that conversation with Evan Hall on Scoop Podcast episode 201. He is very, very grateful for Louis Ayani, the former Woodbury running back, who's the recruiting coordinator slash running backs coach at Northwestern. And he, as of now, is the only running back in the 2019 recruiting class for the Big Ten West champion, Northwestern Wildcats. So waiting not committing somewhere. He had some FCS offers. He had some academy offers, but then Kansas State jumped in late. Northwestern jumped in late, and he committed to Northwestern early last week, and he'll sign on Wednesday. All right, I was going to provide a little background on Maya Moore, but there really isn't any. Everybody is being quiet. When I can track down Glenn Taylor, hopefully he can shed some light. Cheryl Reeve, who sometimes is an open book, but she can also curl up. She's curling up on this one. She at least got back to my colleague Chris Long, but she's declining all comment. Others with the Lynx are declining comment. Those who know Maya, who don't necessarily play or work with the Lynx right now, are declining comment. And Maya's agents continue to decline comments. Something clearly is going on there. And I guess I would not be shocked if Maya forces her way out of the links or doesn't play at all. And she had a curious or at least head-scratching Instagram post the other day. But I'm just telling you, I'd love to shed some light on the Maya Moore situation. I've been asked about it a few times. I don't have any insight because everybody is being hush-hush. I don't know why. I mean, heck, in the NBA, just about everybody is an open book, at least on background. We're talking about the WNBA Yet nobody wants to talk. I just don't get it. But anyway, if you're curious on Maya Moore, I'm working on it, but there just there isn't anything for me to pass along as of now. All right, that'll do it for Scoop Podcast episode 200. Record here on Monday evening, the 4th of February. Always appreciate you listening. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.